A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Mum's the Word, the parenting podcast. Where we answer the questions you want to hear about parenthood. And provide you with real honest advice for every stage of your parenting journey. Whether you're a parent-to-be, a new mum like me, navigating those sleepless nights. Or a more experienced parent facing the challenges of raising older kids like me. We've got you covered with relatable stories, expert insights and plenty of laughs along the way. So grab your headphones, a cup of coffee or maybe something stronger. And let's get real about parenting. We're not going to be sugarcoating anything from punamis to piles, nothing think is off limits at mum's the word it's a podcast for all the parents out there our own little club mum's the word listen wherever you get your podcast from and hit follow so you don't miss an episode hello and welcome back to loose lips with me sophie brown and me robin richford this is where we get our teeth stuck into lots of different topics and dilemmas with our extra lippy as well please keep them coming please keep sending them in to our extra lippy which is of course at the loose lips podcast or you can email us contact at looselipspodcast.com and we are very blooming excited today because we've got a guest on we do and it's a guest that we've been wanting to get on for ages because it's a topic that I guess as women we don't talk about enough um, and if we do talk about it we don't always have uh, great advice around it so we are talking about money 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 and money mindset so we've got a money mindset guru which is Laura Ann Moore she's absolutely fantastic she is 10 out of 10 personality and she's answered loads of our questions I wrote so many notes from this I'm a new woman she is a new woman, it's true. And I've um, personally worked with Laura for, for a little while now uh, in terms of money and things like that. So it's been something that I've kind of got my teeth into. So I'm so excited for, for you guys to learn a little bit more as well and hopefully help you on your money journey. Should we get into it? Let's. Well, thank you so much, Laura and Moore, for joining us. You are, of course, a money and mindset coach. How does that feel? Oh, I love hearing it out loud. I love it. I'm like, say it again. <laughs> no, I love it. I'm so passionate about it. So anytime I get an opportunity to talk about it, I'm like, let me join in here. I feel like a really good place to start is what is a money and mindset coach? Because I feel like obviously we know like financial advisors, like historically, that's, you know, like a term that we're used to, but what's like a money and mindset? So if you're an advisor, you are giving direct advice. So I would be like, I'd be telling you what financial products to open. Like, should you open this? Should you open that? What company should you go with? What stock should you invest in? Like, I am responsible for your money, essentially. Well, there's a level of responsibility, but a coach is someone who is there to, mentor you, guide you, 
educate you and like the key thing is around empowering you to make your own decisions so it's like giving you the knowledge giving you the confidence and you know you've got like money coaches who focus on the practicals and then you have like mindset coaches who focus on the mindset and I kind of combine the two together you must be a really good people person as well then because you can be obviously like you know hot on all the finance stuff but to do like the coaching side do you just have a passion for people did you feel like well I need to amalgamate those two things yeah I think I've always been a proper people person and because I used to want to be an actress like that was my biggest goal that was like I was honestly I said to everyone but I honestly thought I was going to be Kate Winslet in Titanic 2. I was like still be Kate Winslet in Titanic. (laughs) Yeah Yeah, that's true the dream isn't dead (laughs) (laughs) but I did get to a point where I was like oh do you know what like I don't think the actor life is for me so kind of when I put that to bed and had my quarter life crisis around what I was going to do with my career I always knew it would be something to do with helping people. And I think I assume, I know this sounds really silly, but I always assumed that everyone had that same thing. So when I used to be like, I just want to help people, I'd assume that like everyone wanted the same, but that's not actually always the case because people meet, they, they fit into different careers or different roles. But I always just really knew that I wanted to yeah, help people. And when I stumbled across the world of personal finance and kind of got into it and realized I could merge the two together, I was like, this is brilliant. This is, I found what I want to do forever. <laughs> I think it's funny you say though, like about wanting to help people and like just assuming that everyone like feels that way. I don't have like a huge desire, do you so? <laughs> I did, you know, I actually, I do and I don't. I want to make a difference, I think. And I think that probably includes like helping people, but probably in a different way than how you feel. But I was going to say, it's funny because yeah, there are people that just hate people. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, there are people that want to help animals. There are people that don't want to help at all ever. So, yeah. and it's so funny because there's so many different ways that you can do that. And I did really like fall into it. So it's like been nice to be able to like bring all the pieces together of what I really care about. Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to the actual financial coaching, why finance? So when I was like younger, and I told the story like loads on Instagram and, you know, when I do talks and stuff. But when I was younger, my, like I came from a family that didn't have a lot of money. You know, I got three brothers and sisters. There was like six of us. Money was always really tight. And as I got older and started to earn my own money, I was like, okay, I don't want to be like my dad. I want to have money. So I'm going to like save it. And I just kind of went on this own journey at like 16, not really telling anyone. And then when I was 19, I ended up, uh, getting a full-time job saving 15 grand to go to drama school but I ended up um going traveling with it instead so I had this 15 grand and then I was like money's really cool like I went to Australia I went to Thailand Bali I skydived I scuba dived like I did such cool things because mm. I had the money so when I then had that positive experience I was like I want everyone to be able to experience this whatever that looks like for them so I think that when I then came back from traveling, I was like, I'm going to set up a blog. And there was like a gazillion categories. It was like yoga, beauty, fashion, travel, money. <laughs> Every time I sat down to write a blog, it was always about money. And I don't know why. I just found mm. myself naturally being drawn to writing about it. And then I was like, maybe I'll just go in on talking about money. And it, I kind of just like fell into it. And also I think there's this big perception that like with money, it's all about like numbers, spreadsheets, math all of that. Now, I love that stuff. For me, I'm a proper little nerd. Like I love spreadsheets. But the more I got into it, I realized you don't need to necessarily be good at that stuff. There's a real emotional side to it. So I kind of, I have both and I can help people like 
see whether maybe they need more support or what's better for them and I think that yeah it kind of just like helped me on that journey but yeah I didn't necessarily specifically pick finance it it chose me oh I love (laughs) it the stars (laughs) it's so interesting because I need to explore this more because I sort of just pretend that it doesn't exist but I was diagnosed with ADHD and ADHD and money mad like the way we spend money like how impulsive like we are so many different things and like I need to look at that more because I think that there's things that I can do to help myself like probably innately in me I do things without even realizing and like with my spending and impulsiveness and stuff like that do you do you coach people like that or yeah I've had clients with ADHD in the past and also like my brother my older brother he has like do you say like severe, intense? I don't know, like a lot yeah. of ADHD. I don't know how you phrase it. But <laughs> he has ADHD. And so I've kind of been like his financial coach, financial coach. He was kind of like my first client, really. Um, <laughs> and I have had clients like along the way. I've got a lot of friends that have ADHD. And I think like there are different things that you can do. But for 100%, the biggest correlation that I've seen is like people with ADHD struggle with like impulsive spending, like the money management part. Mm. So yeah, I've worked with clients in the past that have it. And I think it's just like, one of the things I say is like part of it is obviously a the organization mm. so like automation is so good for people with ADHD because it takes the need for them to have too much involvement out of it like obviously you've got to set it up to start but once it's set up it's done and mm. then also having a fun fund so like so that you can get that dopamine hit with the like the impulsive spending you have yeah. like a pot of money that you know you can spend guilt-free and, yeah. and then obviously over time you you just get better at making sure that you're only spending that and you're not dipping into like other parts yeah are the two biggest things I would usually say you mentioned sort of like having the money and it's like that whole thing of adult money but it's so true because you literally you just get at this stage in life where you're like I can go and spend my money on anything that I want to yeah you 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 start earning your own money and you're like I'm an adult now I don't have (laughs) anybody telling me what I should or shouldn't be spending this on and Mm. it's like find I think it's really important to find a why with money like what is your motivator? Some people genuinely are just motivated by money, like kind of full stop, which is fine. But I think it's really important. I think for most of us, there's a bigger piece to that. And it's like, why do you want money? Like for me, money means security. I don't need to worry that my house is going to get repossessed. Not I own a house right now, but in the future, you know, I don't need to rely on anyone, anything like that. But it also means like adventure and fun and like experiences. So it's like when you have that why, it allows you behind the scenes to get better at money management or clearing your debt or saving or learning to invest because you have a you have that north star and you go if i do this right now my reward is that i get to go and, on holiday i get to go spend it on an experience i get to spend more money on my hobbies whatever that looks like and that's more motivating than just i'll be i'll just be better with money like it then needs to kind of be like one step after that so is that like your top tip then if someone's kind of struggling with their money at the minute would you say try and figure out your why i think if people were struggling with their money now i always say like try and identify what it is that you're struggling with because i've worked with a lot of clients who get really anxious around money which is really common because money obviously makes us feel feelings and those feelings are what drive our behavior so it's like identifying the why and what is the root cause of that now sometimes it's like you don't have enough money you either need to increase your income or you need to decrease your spending like your anxiety is is not fair but like explained because valid, you are yeah, worried yeah, yeah. it's valid thank you yeah it's valid but sometimes I've had clients before where I'll look at their financial situation and on a practical like logical basis I'm like 
there isn't a need or a reason for this anxiety right now. It's all coming from your beliefs and your relationship with money. And I've noticed that happen a lot, especially with like, every time you go on the news, it's like inflation and all time highs, you know, economy crashing and you're just everything you read, you're like, ah. Oh. So you start to internalize these messages, whether they're directly affecting you or not. And it makes you start to worry or stress out. So I think if you're listening to this and you feel like you're struggling with money right now, I would say really understand, get to know your numbers. Like how mm. much do you have coming in? How much do you need to survive? Like how much does it cost to be you? What are you working with? And then that allows you a more tangible breakdown to figure out like the next step. Is it practical and I need to increase my income or decrease my outgoings? Or is it emotional and I just need to improve my relationship? can be so uncomfortable that can't it to kind of like go through and see it all on black and white um and I think as well like you can't hide from the numbers which is the scary part you can't hide from the numbers yeah you can't apply like logic or reason really it's like they are what they are what do you say if someone's there and they're like oh, okay well I feel like I know I need to get a grasp on this kind of money thing and I know I need to save up what's the what's the first thing you would do I think people think as a money coach that I'm like perfect with my money let me tell you, I am not. I have been, <laughs> like I go through phases where I'm like, you know, quote unquote, really good. Maybe I've saved loads, and then I go through phases where, you know, so like when I set up my business, I went full time on my business about this about a year ago, <laughs> and, and I had a bunch of savings that I originally was going to go South America with. Then obviously COVID happened, so I kind of used this my chunk of savings to invest in my business to support myself living in London. You know, I'm a single woman; I can't rely on anyone else, and I most definitely could have managed those savings better. Like I was, I'll just draw down on it as opposed to going, this is how much I'm going to cap myself. I could have made the money last a lot longer. And I kind of look back and I go, you're literally a coach. Like you didn't even take your own advice, but that's because this feeling is, is rooted in beliefs about yourself. And one of my biggest beliefs is like money's hard to make. And that's one that I'm always kind of like working through. So mm. I think like the key thing is like, if you are going, oh, I know I need to get better. You have to, first of all, just, you've got to have like a catalytic moment to be like, I'm done with my own shit. Like mm. I've, I'm in so much pain right now of maybe anxiety, the stress, like whatever that looks like that I have to do something about it. And it's not that you have to get to that moment. It's either you have to get there or you have to know that you're gonna get there. And if you sort it out now, you don't need to get, you know, to that heightened state. But there's being honest with yourself and accepting, like, do you know what? Maybe I have made some mistakes. Maybe I could have done a better job, but like and being okay with it. Because there's so much shame attached to money. That's what keeps people with their heads buried in the sand. And then the worst thing about that is that it makes it worse. So it's like being mm. having that moment with yourself and just being like, I know that there's going to be some initial like discomfort but once I'm past that even if that's three years till I sort my finances that even if it takes whatever at least I have a plan and I think one of the biggest things I have from when I work with clients is they come away from sessions being like even though my financial situation hasn't changed yet because I still got to do the work I feel a gazillion times better because I now know what I'm working with a lot of the fear comes from the anxiety of the unknown and when you can see it all laid out you're like oh it's either not as bad as I thought or oh, actually, okay, it is as bad as I thought, but at least I can do something about it. I feel like you feel like a bit more in control. Definitely. 
Yeah, I feel like recently I've massively had to have that conversation with myself and like put some, ch- like implement some changes with my money because I've always had like a, a comfortable amount of money. Like I've worked since I was 19 full time and I was doing great. Something happened over summer, which was like completely out of my hands. It cost me a fair whack. And it like, it's it's just changed my whole, like it's a really scary thing to happen. And it's like my whole, I have to like, I don't know, I've never kind of had this where I've had to cut so much back on things and like been genuinely like worried about certain things. And also going freelance recently as well and not getting paid on my invoices. I've never had that. I had like a secure monthly salary. I knew exactly what I was getting. And like now I'm doing incredible things and you know, that the money's there. I don't bloody have it because they're not paying me it. So it's like I'm working on these longer time scales. And then I've had something that's cost me loads of money. Like I get how it can completely like, just change your your mind and it's the scary thing to happen yeah I always say like your financial progression is not a linear trajectory like you don't just start working at you know 16 17 18 whatever age and then just slowly start earning more more money and it goes up nicely and you save a bit more and you invest in a bit more like because there are so many factors different life stages you know when you get married if you have children when you buy a house they're three of the biggest like costs and they happen at all different points over your life. And that's mm. paying out for that. Then you have different unexpected costs that come up. Then if you change, like you say, like I I was in a nine to five for 10 years before I went self-employed. Um, and the reason why it took me so long is because I was so used to that like monthly golden paycheck. I was like addicted to it. And there's pros and cons. Like I can imagine that, you know, being freelance, I, I, I do work with a lot of freelancers. And I think the biggest thing, obviously invoices not being paid is so infuriating. But also like having a irregular paycheck. One month you might make five grand, one month you might make 600 pounds. And you just kind of get thrown into this world if you make that choice to do freelance or if that's what your industry is. And the issue with it is because there's such a connection between money and mental health, if you're struggling with money, even just as simple as like the management part, and it can make you have sleepless nights, it can make you feel stressed, it can create all these feelings inside of you, that actually blocks and reduces your creativity and your productivity, which therefore has an impact on your work, which is how you make money. And it's kind of like this big cycle. So it's like learning the things, the financial habits and the mindset that you need to have to trust that the money's gonna come in, be in a place where you're able to work and increase your income, being able to, you know, having an emergency fund so that if things like that do happen, there is cash there. Like all the, there's all, there's so many sort of pieces to it. But sometimes that can feel overwhelming because you go, well, I'm not doing any of them right now. And I've suddenly got to do all of them. And then we just say to people, like, start small. Like, what's one area that you can improve? What's the thing that's giving you most anxiety? Is it the fact that you don't have an emergency fund? Is it the fact that you can't stick to a budget? Is it the fact that you've got a little bit of debt? Mm. Or maybe, like in my case before, I had a shit ton of savings. and I was so scared to spend them. Like, I used to feel mm. so guilty for it. And again, that's a, that was a money mindset thing because I shouldn't feel guilty for spending my own money. So it's just like picking up on those triggers and those emotions when you are relating to or connecting with your money. Hello, my name is Mark Thompson, your guide aboard the Constellation Station podcast. Tune in every Monday for your weekly guide to all things going on in the skies above the UK that week. From meteor showers to comets and eclipses to supernova explosions, I will have it all. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from. But until then, let's hope for some clear skies. We put out a little question on the Instagram and one of them that came back was, how do you kind of manage a budget when you're freelance? 
is there any kind of tips in terms of the actual budget in itself? How do you know uh, how much you should kind of be spending each month? So I always say whenever the word should is in there, there's going to be some kind of uncomfortableness around it because the word should means that there's one specific way to do something or that there's, you know, a set of rules, but there is no one right way to manage your money. It's going to look different for everybody based on your values, based on your goals, based on your income. So I say, if you haven't gone freelance yet and you're thinking about it, you're about to go freelance, I would always recommend having two to three months worth of living costs Mm-hmm. in saving so that you mm-hmm. can be working backwards so that you're always at least a month ahead if you are already freelance or self-employed you want to kind of like take stock of everything that's going on and I always say this phrase of like having a money date with yourself so literally like treating your money like a partner sit down wine and dine it we don't <laughs> have wine probably have a tea um, you know get all comfortable and like track everything out f- figure out all of your expenses and stuff like that and then you might have to work a little bit harder for a couple of months to try and put away a little bit more just to at least have a bit of a buffer. Because Sophie, like you say, if you Mm -hmm. have one month where someone doesn't pay your invoice on time and that puts you behind, you don't want to have to go into debt that could could potentially cost you money just to pay your bills. Mm -hmm. And then when you're looking at the budget as a whole, you kind of just want to think about, if you have an irregular income, I always say you could either look back past all of your past months and try and create an average or what's been the most consistent lowest month that you yeah. think you could live off of and then that way anything else is a bonus but it is one of those things I always say budgeting or like creating a spending plan is so trial and error and it will change mm-hmm. so much like when I was 19 I tracked every penny wow like, no joke if I still got some of the spreadsheets it'd be like boots mill deal £2.49 did it did it it now that would drive me up the wall. Yeah. <laughs> would kill me. Yeah. I couldn't do it. So no. it's, it changed. And that's, you know, the last 10, 11 years. So it changes. So it's, yeah, trial and error is really important. Okay. We had, um obviously, I think the most common question is like, what do I invest in? What do I put my money into? But if you've got, all right, so maybe you budgeted or you're like, right, I've got X amount that is safe money that I'm like, right, I want to put that into something. Because we've had so many, I don't know, even, I wouldn't even call it a trend, but like I invested in crypto, like loads of different things. You know, obviously you've got shares, you've got so much stuff out there. Um, But what should people do if they've got that bit of money that they want to put somewhere and get at least something back from? So the point of investing is that you are putting your money into something with the expectation that you're going to make a return. And the reason I just want to touch on this, the reason why this is different to gambling, because people just assume that investing is like gambling, is that with gambling, the odds are actually stacked against you and you're just hoping to make a return. Whereas obviously with investing, you are expecting to because it's strategic and there's, you know, years worth of stats. Now, if you buy a property, you are investing. If you have a workplace pension or any kind of pension, you are already an investor. So these are some of the things that we kind of don't realize ways in which we might already be investing or about to invest. Now, the thing with property is obviously that nowadays. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You know, there's a massive disparity between house prices and average wages. Like back in the 70s, it was about four times the size, whereas now it's like house prices are about nine times the size of our average wage. It's like so much harder, especially if you live in London, like it's so much harder to buy a property. So unless you have all of that capital and that cash up front and you're like, I've just got a bit of money and I want to kind of like make it grow. The questions you kind of want to ask yourself is when do I need this money by? If the answer is like, oh, I actually, uh, I, I need to buy a car next year. I'm going to go on a holiday in the next few years. I need the money for that. Investing probably isn't the best thing to look at because you want to have a much longer time horizon. You want to be thinking like 10, 15 years, I'd say roughly. But if people are like, why would I invest something 10 or 15 years? But the point is that within that time, you're putting your money into something that beats inflation. So therefore you're retaining the buying power of your money. I always use the example of like back when I was like 10, Freddo's were like 30p and now they're yeah. like a pound. But you're not getting <laughs> more Freddo. Although apparently the size of Freddo's have gone down. So that's even cheekier. But, <laughs> but you essentially want to retain the value of your money. So really, if you're thinking about investing in the stock market, which is the most I would say, accessible way for people of our generation to be able to build wealth because you can literally start with like five, 10 pounds a yeah. month. You just want to, the key thing is around educating yourself and understanding like what the stock market is. What are the different things you can invest in? So you can invest in shares, which would be like, mm. if I bought a share in Apple, I would own a little bit of Apple. I could get a bond, which is a lot lower risk and a share or you can get like an index fund or an ETF which stands for exchange traded fund and it's getting a little bit like jargony but basically there are some different ways that you could invest now unless you go and work with a financial advisor someone who's regulated by the FCA no one can actually tell you what to put your money in or no professional can obviously your friends could tell you if they knew <laughs> so it's more about understanding and educating yourself around that and there's so much like there's so many different like books and courses and like podcasts out there I talk a lot about it on my podcast but the key thing is like when you start to educate yourself you can literally either pay a bit more into workplace pension and max that out or you could pay money into a stocks and shares ISA and then invest that money yourself and mm. yeah, the key thing is thinking like, what's my own risk level and how long do I have to invest uh, time-wise? So younger people can basically afford to take more risk. And I guess like, yeah. you, you know, you see these things all the time, Laura, I'm sure you've seen them like Revolut and things like that, where you can kind of like do a little bit of investing here and there. Is that a good show? So a lot of banks offer investment mm-hmm. options. So like there's one with Barclays, mm-hmm. there's one with Nationwide, Revolut have one. And it's essentially an account that you can open with them. there's loads of other platforms so the three that I use are for my normal stocks and shares ISA I use trading 212 so it's quite an ugly app because it's 
tr- trade in so you have to feel quite confident with what you're doing but it's free it's you know it's very low fee and um, Hargreaves Lansdowne they've been around for ages I have a stocks and shares lifetime ISA with them and then Vanguard so I have my own SIP which is self-invested personal pension so they're three potential options really good companies the key thing is about asking yourself what is something that I want to invest in and then do those platforms offer me those options then you have things like Moneybox, Nutmeg, Plum, where essentially they invest for you. So they're called robo-advisors. You basically say, I am media risk. And they go, cool, I'll go pick what to put your money in. So it depends how hands on you want to be. For me, I don't want somebody else doing it for me. But for some people, if you really, really don't care and you're like, I just want my money to grow, you can hand it over. But obviously, there are slightly like higher fees to do that. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. got you. So that's where the difference is, is kind of like in the fees yeah. to... I guess someone else doing it. Yeah. And I always say to people, like, I think people assume that in learning to invest takes, like, you have to be really intelligent and you have to have loads of money and you have to have all this time, but you actually don't. If you find a good reputable source, you can learn quite quickly. And then when you know the concept, that's it. So if you learn, if you invest mm. in your education first, you probably end up saving yourself thousands in like fees or paying someone else to do it. But again, it's yeah. like, knowing yourself the confidence to kind of get started but yeah I'm very passionate about helping people invest and I could probably talk about it for like hours <laughs> no, yeah. but well, yeah. he's taking all the notes I can see her right now which is brilliant <laughs> I'm, I'm writing it all down because I literally need this like the thing is I'm so it's weird like money to me like I'm driven by money I'm, I admit that like I'm very money orientated but it is almost to give me the freedom like we mentioned about when I eventually have kids I don't want to not be able to provide for them and things like that like I just think you can do amazing things in life if you have the funds to do that but I just need to know what I'm doing but I use free trade which is like just another platform but I pay a monthly fee and I'm like my money's literally like it's just depleting my my stock so I'm like it's not really weighing up here so I'm like maybe it's not really it's not really, it's not really working for me so like no. why <laughs> I basically like three years ago had 20 grand sat in a bank account savings account I was making like one or two percent I went on a date mm. and this guy was like mm, did you know that you're actually losing money by having your money sat in a savings account and I was like what and that's because of inflation so I went away and probably did about a year's worth of research obviously not every day but like I listened to podcasts I I did research I did all this stuff when I then understood it I was like I did not need to know as I've got that thing where I'm like I must know every detail but now I have all of this I'm like oh actually (laughs) it's so much easier and shameless plug I do have a mini investing course that basically takes everything I know into a small course which is just like three workshops because I was like People, mm. there is, it's the language that's overcomplicated and like women have been left out of the conversation for so long. There's already a gender pay gap and a pension pay gap. Like by the time women get to their sixties, they have nearly half the size of a pension of what a man has. And also women then live longer. So it's like, we've got longer on this earth and yet we have less money. So it's like really important that we learn how to grow our money and protect our wealth for the future and not leave it up to someone else. And I'm like fed up of it being a man's club and it being like, mm. what, you don't know what this is. It's like, no, because nobody <laughs> taught her. Mm. It's so, all this like content is so, it's amazing now because it's so consumable. Like you 
put it out on all your channels and like we take things in on you know TikTok and stuff and it's amazing because it's like you don't have to go and get to the library and get a book about finance with all this jargon in it you can yeah. it like you were doing already watching tv on TikTok but you can search for those things that are actually going to help you mm. and I feel like you can do that I this is what I need to do is just consume yeah. more about it because <laughs> <laughs> really to invest there's basically three steps you pick a platform mm open up a stocks and shares ISA and the reason why you do that in there is because it's ta- more tax efficient and then you sh- you you know you load money on kind of like a gift card and then you basically need to spend that gift card in the stock market the most hard part the hardest part is picking what to invest in because that's the part that feels overwhelming but for me like I'm really passionate about I have a very boring sustainable long-term wealth strategy where I just invest in something called index funds again there are loads out there Mm. it's kind of like if you were to eat a pizza that had loads of toppings on when you take a slice you're going to get a little bit of every topping so if you didn't like one topping you're actually all right because there's about you know 400 other toppings on there and that's essentially what an index fund is it's a collection of businesses you invest your money into the entire thing and your money is diversified so if one goes tits up or whatever it's actually more balanced out and you like stats show that it's extremely unlikely that in the long term over sort of 10 years that people lose money on it but you have to think really long term that's what I've got an S&P 500 like an index fund yeah just because yeah I invested in lots of different things but that's the one that generally is pretty consistent so the S&P 500 is the top 500 US companies Mm. if suddenly all of those companies went bust and you lost all your money there'd be a bigger problem yeah. than the fact you'd lost their money. You'd lost your money. There'd probably be an Armageddon. Yeah. <laughs> the S&P 500, as an example, has shown on average over the last like 50 years to increase by 11% every year. Now, obviously, that, that could be 22% one year, minus 16 another year. So that's why you take this sort of like long-term approach. But that's just, yeah, one example of something that you could potentially invest in. Mm. Yeah. Either we've kind of like touched on investing and things like that, Laura. I think that for some people, you know, it would still be relatively overwhelming, I imagine. You know, like some people are are more like, you know, I I just need to get more money in sort of thing than necessarily like where am I kind of going to put it and things like that. Do you think there's like some typical pitfalls that kind of like women women do or kind of like get into that you kind of see and then we could kind of uh, combat some of them I think that we live in a society don't we where we are marketed to constantly Mm. we are up again like so many businesses that hire top top marketing people to promote their products and services so it's like we're battling against all of that all of that you know yeah marketing yeah we are marketed to for a lot of things and there is a really interesting piece of research by a lady named Anne Bowden she runs Starling Bank she sets up Starling Bank up which basically did um I think it used AI to check loads of articles blogs all that kind of stuff to look at language and images used when speaking to men about money and speaking to women about money and when speaking to men the main language and phrases were build wealth earn more, invest, all that kind of stuff. With women, it was cut back, stop splurging, where to spend your pennies. It was all very like on a spending basis. Mm. Okay. This language is being used towards us. So it's like, it's probably been ingrained in us. So it's us starting to 
not fight back, but become aware of our own spending triggers. Mm. And like, am I spending this because I really want it and because I really need it? And am I spending in alignment with my values and my goals? And sometimes we don't even stop to take a moment. So I guess one of the biggest things that I have with my clients that are women is it's this thing, you know, around overspending. And not because it's just being, you know, before the men jump in, not just because we're overspending on clothes and beauty, but just that general idea of like, well, we've been left out of the conversation around like what to do with our money. So in school, you kind of get taught, you get, you go to school, you get a job, you spend your money and you repeat the process. We don't get told about those steps in between. So I think the, this kind of idea around overspending, it's really important to learn to ignore some of the marketing messages, especially, you know, like we're told... You shouldn't have hairy legs or hairy arms. Your hair needs to be fresh all the time. You need to look like a child even when you're 40. So you're like, oh, I need to get every product <laughs> ever. Like, And I think in the in society as well, we we are, uh, what's the word, judged aesthetically on the way we look. Mm-hmm. So I know that there is that to fight against as well. So yeah, I think for women, it's like this idea around overspending and just like taking back control of like, am I paying myself first before I'm paying all of these companies? Mm. yeah and it is, it is interesting you mentioned about the beauty and things like that because I joke that like if I'm going on holiday and my partner's going on holiday what he spends to get prepared for holiday and what I spend is a completely different ball game yeah and so it's really interesting how like that kind of like narrative of like mum sneaking out with the children to buy like clothes on you know on dad's credit cards as a joke and you know like, oh don't hide the bags from your dad and dad's being a bit more you know I feel like that narrative is just like is, is so embedded I think in, in our brains but then there is also a truth to it in the sense of like it does cost more being a woman how is that possible yeah, yeah mm. it costs more and we are paid less like statistically so it's like I for me I love looking nice I love buying makeup like I love fashion like I love all those things I'm not anti them mm. at all but I think it's really important to make sure we have our financial ducks in a row first and that we're also like making sure that we are being paid fairly, that we are negotiating pay rises, that if we are freelance, we are getting paid what, what you know, what we should be getting paid and that we're not afraid to ask for more or, or to chase invoices. Because mm. otherwise it becomes this twofold thing of like, not only are we being paid less, we have less to spend, but we have to spend more on products that men don't have to. So it's like, you kind of want to do the two in tandem. Um, and I think the bigger piece for me is like, yeah, you can ignore the marketing messages and, you know, spend less on makeup, but actually... Let's ask, you know, the bigger questions. How can we make more as women, whether you are a nine to five or whether you are freelance? Like, how do we how do we take our fair share of the wealth? Yeah, I um, I used to kind of be involved in a lot of like women in tech organizations and stuff when I was working in like a more corporate role. And I used to do like talks and things on salary negotiation. And I just feel like it's so important as women because I don't think you realize that when you agree to do a job and you say, yeah, it's X amount of salary, you don't know how long you're going to have that for. You know, they might offer you a review in a year. It doesn't mean you're going to get any extra money. And I just feel like so many people just settle with that first offer when it's your livelihood and your lifestyle like at at risk. You want to be able to get as much as you can so that you can live the life that you want to live and not be like, you know, constrained all the time. Yeah, and I think it's that classic thing of like men are way less likely to fear asking for more money because what is the worst that's going to happen? They're going to say, no, we can't afford that. They're not going to go, no, you're fired. Yeah. Yeah. And if they are, if they do, 
obviously this is a privileged position, but you don't want to work for them anyway. Mm. Like if they don't respect that you as an individual desire to have more wealth and think you should be paid more. And I mean, that would be unfair dismissal anyway, so they wouldn't fire you. But do you know what I mean? Like it's kind of like knowing that you've got like having that confidence to go, yeah, I am going to go for that. I am going to try and get a bit more money because that's Mm. where it makes the biggest difference. There's only so much that you can cut back. But when it comes to your income, that's a lot. There's a much greater, you know, there's abundance of money out there for you to grab. Yeah. And it's interesting as well. I think women under maybe like not misunderstand their value, but they don't realize how maybe knowledgeable they are or how skilled they are. Or actually, I, I mean, I've seen men like progress up the ladder twice as fast as women with very little experience or anything to offer do you know what I mean and there is something to be said of well they ask do you know like yeah yeah that all kind of comes into play as well doesn't it yeah like when I worked for a marketing agency for 10 years and I was on the sales team so it was like me and a bunch of other men and one thing that I did was I would keep a track in a document of all of the things that I was doing well, mm. even down to like, you know, getting an email from a customer. They were like, oh my God, you've helped me so much, you know, right up to I've hit my KPIs, my sales target, my call target consistently for X and out of months, you know, like all of the stats, quantitative and qualitative. And then also I kept track of all of the things where I went above and beyond. Maybe I I did something that was outside of my job scope. Maybe, you know, all of those kind of things. So that when it came to being like, I think I need more, I think I deserve more money. I had the evidence. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have to rest on my, just my confidence, me being like, I think I deserve it. I was like, here's the stats. Here's what I can take to you. And I, I presented it to my boss as like, an actual presentation and I was like this is why I think that I deserve more money and not only did he respect the fact that I'd got all of that put all of that together I was able to show him my value now obviously it is a boss's job to you know keep on track what their team are doing also if you work in a massive team they're not going to tabs on every single thing that every single individual does so like take it upon yourself to be like I'm going to take this information to you Mm. and if you don't want to give me a pay rise I'll bide my time here and I'll find somebody else that does that's that's brilliant advice actually to kind of have the evidence ready to go yeah and Mm. if you are freelance or you're like self-employed you can still do the same thing not that you have to go to yourself and be like (laughs) (laughs) and but just on those days maybe where you get a job come in for a big brand and you're like deciding what to charge and you're like I really want this job maybe I'll lessen myself a little bit or maybe I'm not worth what I think there you can go to a document that says all of the big brands that you've worked with, all of the jobs that you've done that you've done really well, all the emails you've had good feedback from. So it's like you're creating that confidence piece for yourself so that when you're charging or chasing invoices or pitching, you have that same evidence that it's for you instead of a boss. Yeah, love that. (laughs) Go get your money. That's it, get it in. Because you're right. I think sometimes I've kind of gone, oh, how do I manage this better? Or I'm really disappointed in myself because I'm not doing this right and I'm not doing that right. But actually a lot of the time it was just that there wasn't enough money coming in in the first place. Yeah. You know, because sometimes I think we can beat ourselves up like, oh, other people have more willpower than me or they're better (laughs) than like. Yeah. No, you're out here trying to survive. It's, it's, it's a little different. Yeah, and I think just quickly to add to that as well, I always say to people, like when you see somebody walking down the street and, you know, we all naturally judge people, be it good or bad judgment, we, we can't help, we make assumptions. If you see someone, they've got, you know, Balenciaga shoes, they've got a, a nice machino bag, you know, all of the things, all the designers, you're like, they must be really wealthy. I wonder what they do as a job. I wonder how they're making their money. But what we're actually seeing is how much someone has spent. But wealth is silent. 
You have mm. no clue how much that person has in the bank, in savings and investments. They could be, for all we know, completely in the red, funding their lifestyle on a credit card, but we can just see what they've spent. So it's really important to remember, you actually don't know what is going on behind the scenes for anyone. Because wealth is silent, that allows you, you can do something behind the scenes about it for yourself. I have absolutely no issue with designer stuff, like half the time designer stuff goes up in value, so it is an investment. But that should be a secondary thing. And it's like really reminding yourself not to assume that everybody else is doing better than you. Like, you don't really know. Unless you sit down and have a conversation about show me your bank statement. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I always say wealth is silent. So reframe the way that you view that. And then that will help you as well start to be like, what do I need to do for myself so that I feel financially independent and safe? And it just helps, I think, with financial habits. Beautifully Mm. said. Thank you so, so much, Laura. Honestly, there's so much knowledge and uh, little nuggets to take away from there. So thank you. What do you reckon, Sophie? You all sorted now? <laughs> I'm like, I'm I'm going to be doing your coaching thing. I'm going to be like, <laughs> like I'm ready. Um, is there anything that you want to like plug or talk about? Or are you up to anything that you want to just mention to everyone? Yeah, I mean, I mean, if people do want to learn how to invest, I obviously have my mini investing course where I talk about the practical and the emotional side of investing. So like how to build an investor's mindset. I also have my own podcast as well, which is called Mind Money Sell, if you want to come and listen. Which is amazing because I love it. Listen to it all day. <laughs> and I like as well because it's like little episodes. So it's like, you know, like little bits where you can just, I like to listen at the beginning of my gym sesh or whatever and then actually think about it. So yeah, yeah oh, I definitely love. digestible. We're scheduling yeah. reflection time. Yeah, I? I love that. I'm <laughs> just a new woman. Yeah, I just think if you're listening to this and you wherever you are at in your journey, like just always say use this as a catalyst to be like, okay, I'm gonna do one thing that's gonna help me like being one percent better every day. So just start small, build it up over time. Brilliant. Love Thank it. you so much. Thank you. How are you feeling so <laughs> cleansed? <laughs> Yeah, that was like a a detox, a money detox, and now I'm ready to spread my wings and fly. It does feel a little like that, doesn't it? It feels like now you're like armed with information. It's a little bit easier to kind of get your head around. Yeah, I thing is, I've all, I feel like I've always had a bit of a handle on money. Touch wood, like I've not, you know. And when it comes to jobs and things like that, salary negotiation and things like, I'm quite in tune with this stuff. But when you break it down to like the budgeting and the things like that, I'm no good at that. And that's what I think I need to implement into my life. Yeah, it's like the control over it, isn't it? Mm. I honestly. I've yeah. never had a budget in my life. Like that's not something I've ever done. I've just like I know how much I get paid roughly and I just kind of spend it roughly and you know like I've never I've never kind of sat down and been like, "Oh, this is so much." Or like even going on holiday like I know people that, "Oh, here's my budget for the holiday." I'm like, "Eh?" Like I've never done that. Yeah. And it's so important to do that cuz otherwise your big money goals just can't can't come to fruition yeah exactly I think that's the thing it's like you can live like that and that's fine but ultimately you're probably gonna you're not gonna reach those big goals that you have because you're not implementing like the day-to-day things so maybe we we need to do that we absolutely (laughs) do and hopefully you loved listening to Laura and more just as much as we did Uh, we'll be back again next week with another episode of course of Loose Lips but thank you so much for joining us please do follow subscribe rate and review wherever you listen to this podcast It honestly helps us so much. Yeah, it does. The more like feedback and ratings and things like that, the more guests we can get on. And honestly, that was an amazing episode. So yeah, tune in next week, guys. We can't wait. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.